What's up, kids? Welcome to Poolside Chats with Dom and Chris, the show where we talk about everything from music production to the spiritual side of music creation. I am Chris. And I am Dom. And here we go. Stay. Stay, Mike. Stay. Is it just like the cable that's heavy or like, I don't know. All right. I'm just going to have to position myself. All right. Anyways, take two. What's up, Dom? <laughs> What's up? How's it going, man? Good. Good, good. So uh, tonight, a little mastering. I think I feel like that's a hot topic right now that we should uh, dive into. Well, I, yeah, it's a topic. It is a topic. <laughs> it is a topic. It, it, I say a hot topic because our masters had to be hot. Like the guy wanted yeah. them hot. I'm talking way beyond drop it like it's hot, hot. Like this is like way beyond your mix can be bad and you can still get it, get it as loud as he wants. <laughs> if no. he wants crunchy, okay. loud distortion, I, am, I think we achieved that. I am all for admitting that like it's my fault. Like I just don't have the, the, you know, the skill to right. do right. what someone like this would want. Yeah. But I also like to say it as I see it and say that just the mix was not just and we learned that right like you would say that yeah, we learned that absolutely. you have to like stem mastering for something this right. loud would make a big difference right absolutely right i think so and, i think to parlay back in what you just yeah. said about being our fault i was on facebook yesterday and i saw there was a meme of uh principal skinner from the simpsons and he was like he's like am i a bad mastering engineer or does the mix just suck you know it's and like i think sometimes it's you yeah and sometimes it's the mix absolutely and sometimes it's both absolutely <laughs> you know yeah but no for like, sure to get a master is loud like what were we pushing negative five luffs is yeah. like what we're yeah. really shooting for that was the ballpark yeah, yeah. it's insane i insane. mean you should never do that regardless even no. i mean it's hard because how many views did that have 180 million on yeah YouTube. his reference track the had reference 180 track. million views on youtube so and this is a fairly see, new song too yeah, this isn't like a, a song that's been out for too. five years yeah. yeah yeah it's a remix of a chain smoker song yeah and so it's hard to complain to these people because then they see these views and they're right. like, we want these, the tracks this loud, we got to have this. Right. And so right. it's just insane. It is. Well, let's, let's break it down. Cause like, I, I find this, the process fascinating. Cause I thought it was really cool. Like with this one, you've obviously got your studio. We've got this one here. We work a lot together, but we also work separate. Yeah. So we got to listen on two different sets of monitors, Amphions and Genelex, two different room environments, different treatment, different gear, et cetera. So like, as a background, just before we start our mm -hmm. kind of dialogue here, like when I got the song in, the artist was saying he wanted it to sound exactly like this remix. And the first, my first thought was, holy shit, that remix is really crunchy. So he told me ahead of time, he's like, hey, I understand our song is crunchy. And I was like, well, can you send me your mix without a limiter and stuff on the two bus? He's like, yeah, sends it over, gives me headroom. I'm like, great. We talk about it. He's like, I want dynamics. I don't want this to track to sound smashed. I want it to breathe. And I was like, hey, this, this is really cool. I'm excited to do this. So I get the mix in and he's like, well, give me a master at the level that you personally recommend in terms of loudness. And I think I got it to like negative nine to 9.5 luffs, which is a very conservative quote unquote industry standard number. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I thought, okay, he's going to be happy with this, but obviously based on the reference track, he's going to want it a little bit louder. And that's where this whole week long excursion kind of begins with how to balance 
how to master either inside the box, outside, or hybrid, but getting it so loud to where really you have to do extreme things in the in the mastering process just to achieve that level of loudness. Like your EQ moves are different, compression settings are different, the way you export is different, like everything changes. Let's talk. Yeah, well, I mean, and the fact that it was a two-track too, right. and it's like the whole time I was wishing I just had a separate right. um, just track for the kick right. the whole time. right. And it's uh, mid side work helps a lot with that too. Yeah. But it's still just having the drums by itself and, mm -hmm. you know, just having the access to the separate stems and stuff mm -hmm. would be really nice. And just, um, what were you saying though? Um, that's, that's my thoughts on the beginning of it. No, I agree. And yeah. just before we dive into like the back and forth, I yeah. will say that I did request to do a STEM master because I always give that as an option. And it's it's disappointing because when people do mastering, um, they, they look at STEM mastering like, why am I going to spend the extra money? And it's like, this is the reason why. So you have individual control. So like if your vocals aren't loud enough or your kick needs to be limited or something like that, we have the ability to go ahead and do that for you. Yeah. So it's like, I don't understand, especially with loudness and EDM, you really have to do stem mastering unless you've done a superlative mix. Everything's where you want it. But to get, give a song to a mastering engineer, any mastering engineer and say, I need you to make my low end sound like this. But we know in the back of our mind, well, man, you should have done that in the mix. Like well, why you're telling me mix, that? Like the kicks just completely different. Yeah. You know, it wasn't even the same kick and we didn't have access to tone shape it. Right. To make it sound like the kick he wanted, it was like we would need to sample replace a kick right. that's in the middle of a two track. Like, right, it's not going to happen. Right, it's just not going to happen. Well said. No, so I agree. It's uh, it's a learning experience for both parties. Yeah, you know, I yeah. mean, this is our first time trying to smash a mix that loud. Yeah, with someone wanting it, like I've had fun with it before, but I didn't do as good of a job because. I wasn't serious about it. Right. I was just like, this is crunchy. I would never do this. But then when you actually try to sit down and spend mm -hmm. more time than you'd want, mm -hmm. then you start to learn some things mm -hmm. and then you learn what's possible and what's not, at least with your own. Because obviously right. I'm not the best mastering engineer in the world. And so I only can do what I can do at any given moment. Right. And at that time, I just, yeah, sitting down and getting as clean as possible was just a learning experience. Mm -hmm. But yeah, ask me some questions. What cool. Do you got? Well, first off, talk about your your chain, what you used when you uh, did it in your place. Like obviously you're rocking the Amphions, you got the treated yeah. room. So what was your what was your thought process? What did you use? Well, yeah, before we get into the gear, I just want to say that I try to use normal mastering practices. Like mm -hmm. I've mastered a few things now. And then when you're not pushing the levels, right. you have certain ways of doing things just right. to make it sound better. Right. And then at one point I was like, nothing I do no. is going to make it, it sound better. It all goes out the window. Yeah. yeah. So it's like yeah. everything, every ounce of my will started going right. towards how do I get this loud right. and just make it sound like a song. Right. Not make it loud and make it sound better. Because usually mastering, you want to give it to them and make it sound better. Yeah. And most of the time, 100% of the time, that's what you do. Absolutely. Yeah. When you're not doing it this Except loud. for this 1% of the time. <laughs> yeah, but the 1% of the 101% right, right, of the time, right, right, you can't right. do it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and so they're like, that's being said, I'm a working class mastering engineer. Right. You know, I'm not working on the best people in the world right. with the best mixes. And so I can't, I can't, I have a compromise of making things that loud mm -hmm. and then not making them better. Some people might think it's better just because it's louder. Yeah. But to me, it wasn't better. Right. You no, know, it was just louder. It, much louder. Yeah. Which yeah. there'll be a debate on louder is better. But sure. That, whatever. Sure. But yeah. then, so after that being said, then my gear just started being towards what makes it sound louder mm. and not 
as distorted and mm. crunchy as I would preferably hope right. it's not, right? Right, right. Okay, so then right after that, then I started making EQ choices with the Fab Filter. So your first plug-in yeah, first in the plug-in chain. Yeah, first plug-in in the okay. chain. Now we're just getting into the technical yep, stuff. Yep, yep. Is my tried and true Fab Filter Pro Q2 plug-in. Great plug Which Love that. I don't use for the sound. I just use for the familiarity mm-hmm. for me and just the ease of use. The great, know? the best graphical interface spend, for an EQ. Yeah, I just don't yeah. want to spend a lot of time no, with I don't something I don't know that yeah. might sound a fraction better totally. when I'm crushing something. Totally. Yeah, it, and, does, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Um, then I just did that in, uh, it has linear phase mode. Put that in. Nice, nice. Then just, yeah, um, not gonna get too crazy on the settings, but then just you know, high pass filter, low pass filter to taste, and then just boosted some in the low end to taste, and also in the um, high mids, like around one point five k for mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. on my best master that I did. Ended up being pretty bright, um, kind of thin in the low end, but it was super loud. And that's all I wanted. It was to loud. Do. It was all loud. I wanted to do was get it loud and clean, regardless of what the track could possibly do. Because mm. the way I found before we go into the next part of the chain is that. Um, each this track specifically could be loud in a certain way for me, right. like with how I can manage it and right. keep it clean. Cause right. he wanted more, is it a group of guys? Two. Yeah. These two guys, two guys yeah. wanted it matched with this way more low mid and low heavy song right. with just the kick blasting you. And the kick doesn't have any click on it, which is a big part of the difference. Mm-hmm. This kick that these guys had a super clicky. Super clicky. And All just, top end. Yeah, yep. didn't bode very well to try to make it loud and no. sound smooth and how they wanted it nice and warm. Yeah, right. But um, yeah. So after that, um, I went straight into my only piece of mastering gear, which is the Neve MBP I have. Right. And Love smashed that, that. Yep. Five to one ratio, feed forward mode, pretty open attack at seventy milliseconds for mastering. Nice. And just quickest release maybe a tad what's the quickest release on that it's like 100 milliseconds that's the quickest yeah so oh, wow. it's not like the quickest settings on that are slow still oh, that's really because cool it's mastering yeah, it's that's, 20 that's, milliseconds that's is the fastest on the attack oh wow and then 100 milliseconds is the fastest on the release I like so that. that's cool even if so it always feels weird putting it all in the fastest right but it's not that fast yeah, it's, it's just, not fast at all so i always yeah. like starting there because it's it's fine it's still pretty slow yeah that's everything. great yeah but um, yeah, I slammed that and then as a limiter on it. I actually yep. didn't use any of the, because when I was, this is the first time that the silk modes on it um, and the stereo field editor mm-hmm. both did way like crazy artifacts to where oh, it was really? just nasty. Mm. Like it just, any other master, I've used them tad bit, you know, just to really make it sound more polished, but yep. it just destro- started getting destroyed mm. in when I crushed it later. Mm. So I just had to take it off. So that was nice. the first. Interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah that just, is interesting. Because like usually I love those are my stuff. favorite features yeah. on that yeah. unit too. Yeah, but the limiter helped a lot. I had crushed, how many decibels were you crushing know. it? It's weird because it you, the gain reductions um, combined for both oh, of them. Oh yeah, and so you actually really have to do it by ear. Mm. And uh, it was probably like four, yeah. five. You know, yeah. it's pretty clean the thing is is it'll start squashing it and just taking the life out of it before it starts distorting yeah so you just have to use it by ear yeah after that uh was the sonics inflator mm. just pretty much use that all love, the way love sonic stuff someone i was that love was a sonic gear sluts stuff. thing i was just really? i for, i've been on gear sluts for the first time in a long time just to uh because i'm didn't know what to use to get shit loud. Yeah. <laughs> and um, some dude was like, oh, I was looking up the, we were obsessed with that new Better Maker Limiter, the limiter. that's coming out. Yeah. And we were just yeah. really curious about it. And so I went on to that and then I just ended up getting in some other mm. forums and someone said, oh, so such and such sounds similar 
to this, but you might as well just use the inflator because it still sounds like shit anyways, but it's cheaper or something. Right. You know? And right. so I was like, oh, the inflator. It's just, we both have a lot of plugins, right? right? We don't right. think about much yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, have you ever used the inflator on a master? No. I tried it after you showed me. After you said inflator, but, I was like, oh, I got to try that. Yeah, That's a good idea. Weird. Yeah. yeah. And you start, no, I usually use the inflator on individual instruments. I've never used it on no, a bus. And it's always very little. Very too. little. You a little goes so far. At like 20 at the most, maybe. <sighs> That's all you need. Yeah. And yeah. then the effect at like 10 yeah. or something. Yeah. But this was like the effect. Like, so basically the mix of it was at 40 or let's say 90% if yeah. we're going to do like even numbers that you get because the plugin doesn't say 90%. But then the um, curve of it, which is like how much it inflates it, yeah. was at like 40 out of 50. It so was pretty much cranked. Yeah, 10 yeah. under. I was just like, I'll be a little conservative, you know, <laughs> even though it really didn't matter. Uh, but yeah, so that was interesting using that. And nice. then after that, I actually used this SPL Transient Designer mm -hmm. plugin by mm -hmm. UA. Yep. And just brought back a tiny bit. I only could use a tiny bit because it was overloading the plugin right. if I did more. Right. And then uh, after that was the Fab Filter Saturn. Like I was telling you, I did the, I just clean tube setting mm -hmm. and just mid-range um added some harmonics to the mid-range to try to make it sound sweeter and not as like crushed mm. from the stuff before it mm. just because they're the way they had the synths and everything just digital synths i was yeah. just trying to make it sound a little bit sweeter yeah uh, whether it helped or not i liked it at the time um and then that's when i go into the fab filter pro l mm -hmm. and then the kazrog k clip after that mm. in conjunction nice just various settings both being just slammed just yeah. as much as i get away with the with, like as minimal distortion as possible. Yeah. And you got that to what? Negative 4.9, yeah, 4.7 RMS? My short-term short luffs was like negative 4.3 at the most. That's at the yeah. most. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny. No, it's insane. Oh, that's insane. That is insane, literally. Yeah, well, that was my old process. And that I my first, very first time trying it was sounded horrible because I wasn't yeah. taking it too seriously. Yeah. But then I was like, let me see, like if this was my because the guys yeah. reached out to Chris, like it was his client, and then yeah. he reached out to me and was like, This is kind of fun. Let's mess around with this together. Yeah. Cause we've never done this yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. And just made a thing out of it. Yeah. And uh yeah, so that that's where it ended up. And I was pretty pleased, but um, yeah, it's just what it just what it was. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so no, for listen. what it was, the files you sent, you know, sounded good. They were just like thin, but like I said, you have to sacrifice yeah. something to get something that loud, and it's usually the low end because yeah, there's so like much the density track down was there. Like the kick. That's oh yeah, the it was all, kick. Is, like, all that, kick. That was the whole low end. Was I the mean, kick. everything else sounded good because it was like hiding behind the kick. Exactly, was taking the brunt of all of the crazy processing. Exactly, everything else was still limited, but a tiny bit more conservatively. Right. to where the kick was super loud, and then everything else was just kind of sitting behind it. Yeah, and still kind of dynamic underneath it to a point where to you still point. like yeah. if you just were the end but the kick was just driving the song and was oh, taking yeah. the brunt of it oh yeah and it was, Absolutely. it was smart you know and it made it oh, sound yeah. a lot more pleasing oh yeah then the problem is, is yeah the loudest this you have to choose what the loudest thing in the song is going to be right and what's going to take the brunt of the limiter right and then in these guys track they chose the really like mid forward synths mm -hmm. in the drop mm -hmm. to be the loudest thing mm -hmm. and the synths are loud i mean they will jump out and punch you in the face yeah and they don't sound bad either because the way their limited, side chain sounds good 
chord is nice. No, is the, not at all. Dude, the reference tracks kick did though. That's no. the thing is they get really harsh. Yeah, really. You don't want to listen to the track as much. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, it was. They made a lot of interesting production decisions, to say the least. Anyways, so yeah, your yeah. turn to ramble on about what you did. Oh, fantastic! Well, I I tried several out of the box approaches. Um, I got some new gear in recently, and yeah, I you was, took a way more out of the box approach than I did. Way more. Which we'll have to talk about our findings with yeah. that one too. And doing this too. We will. Yeah. That's a good idea. Because we're both analog nuts. We are. <laughs> we are. Well, Dom actually, he really illuminated something special because like I did want to get him in on us. Cause like I like at first I was bummed, to be quite honest. Like I, the song isn't bad. It's a decent song. And I was oh, like, yeah. hey, this is cool. It just you sucks know? that they want it so smashed. Ex- exactly. Because you know? it really takes away from the song. So at first I was excited about the project. Yeah. And then if they rejected my first master and they're like, we need it louder, I'm like, louder than that? Like I didn't know what to do. So I was like, well, you know, rather than bitching. They can lead you on. You already touched up on that kind yeah. of, but the problem is is it wasn't so open no. like no they didn't say right away like we're gonna want it super loud right no and they here okay if i could give any advice to anybody out there who's ever gonna i don't care if it's a producer a mixing engineer master engineer, be honest just be be honest that's all we ask is like i talked to this guy on the phone he he lives in a different country so it's like i had to stay up to where like are they two, from australia so I had to stay oh. up till like two o'clock in the morning to catch them, you know, at their morning, pretty much 20 minute Skype call explained everything about mastering. He's like, nah, dude, we, we don't want it crushed. You know, we could have crushed it ourselves. Like we want you to leave the dynamics in there. So I took pictures of like meters and sent it to him. I'm like, here's your luffs. Here's your dynamic range. Here's this. And they're like, oh, because they don't know a lot about that. Oh, so like, oh, wouldn't. no, nothing. But just as a measure of good faith to say, here's your reference track. Here's your master. This is why I think it's valuable to stick with these numbers, et cetera. And they're like, oh, yeah, man, no, this is great. Really appreciate your communication, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, I give them the mix, and all they say is louder, more bass. And I'm like, okay, what, what does that mean? Like, more kick, louder. So I make it disgustingly loud. I add more sub in. They're like, we're not happy. We're not happy. We're not happy. And I'm like, what are you not happy with? And they couldn't tell me and what they were unhappy they're with. they're saying more kick. Because right? we've talked about pretty extensively already. Exactly. The reference track has a ton of kick, yeah. but way it's the way the song was produced. Different. Way kick. different. Way different. Night and day. Wait, night and day. Yeah. So like I couldn't, I, I, at this point, I knew I was talking to like people who just didn't know anything about mixing or mastering. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to save my breath, avoid all the stuff we just pretty much mentioned that Dom talked about. And I'm just going to try to like make this as good as I possibly can with these limited parameters. Yeah. So... I went into it at first and I thought to myself, okay, I wanted to experiment with different gear because I've never done just like what you did inside the box. And then I did an inside the box mix too. I wanted to see what gear could I push really, really hard? Like, would it make a difference to saturate things in an analog way? harshly versus in a digital way. Cause I've heard digital clipping all day long and I don't think plugins sound great clipped unless they're really, really good plugins that are supposed to be clipped, but analog hardware like thrives when it's clipped. So I thought, man, this, this is a cool experiment. So like the first mix I did was with a, an API 525 for gain. So like this is a, a mono channel, two of them. They're essentially like, like a, a very simple, very fast 1176, but with a lot of weight in the bottom end. So I turned these up to feed the signal in hotter. So immediately I had an API tone on the mix and I had a low end push and it was just limiting the peaks, just catching what wasn't like kosher essentially. So after that, I went into an Allen Smart CLA one, which is the, or C1 LA, which is the SSL version in a 500 series, but it's very snappy and it's more high end. So what I did is I opened up the side chain, let as much of the low end information through as I could. And then I made sure to give like a super long attack auto release 
and I just wanted to time it to where it glued the track together and it actually did like a pretty decent job. Well, you weren't slamming it yet. I wasn't slamming it yet. You're right. I had <laughs> like the, a long way yeah, to go. You're still long at the beginning way. of your chain. You didn't realize yeah. that everything you were doing wasn't going to oh, matter. No. At this point, I was still at like negative 13 <laughs> yeah, luff. So yeah, I had like, ne- you yeah. know, 10 more luffs to go. You're just mastering it. Just point. mastering. Exactly. Like real mastery. Yeah. yeah. So after that, I had, um, I just got uh, a pair of a second one. I had one for a while of a Chandler Little Devil compressor. So I was like really wanting to use these somewhere. So I was like, all right, I'll put these in parallel. So I paralleled the mix into that. That added some really nice weight in the low end too i was like okay i feel like i got my low end covered like as far as a tone is there it's bigger it's rounder now it needs an eq so i went into an api 5500 eq um i don't remember the frequencies i use i think i boosted 50 hertz i boosted 240 hertz i boosted 1k 5k and 12k or something like that with a shelf at 12k and then after that i felt like something needed to be cut and I wanted to give the track a little bit more air and a little more low end boost. So I used a Mog EQ 4M, the mastering version of that, which was actually given to us by Mog Audio, Cliff Audio at Mog Audio, or Cliff, Cliff Mog at Mog Audio. It's going to be Mog, Mog Cliff at, at, at Audio, Audio Cliff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that thing sounds great. So what I did is essentially open the track up with a, a 10K shelf or a 15K shelf and then sub frequency at 10 hertz. And I boosted both of those up simultaneously. Got that master to negative like 5.7 essentially, but I didn't like it. It sounded distorted. Um, I couldn't get past the crunchiness. Like I was having a really hard objective time at that point to like say, okay, I just don't like the direction. I don't like this is going because at that point I had to digitally limit it because I didn't have what I got in a couple days later. So I digitally limited the whole thing with a FabFilter Pro-L and the IK Multimedia Stealth Limiter upsampled it times 16. That's not good to push. It's not. It's not it's at not. all. No. Like I no. I learned that really. very quickly. Yeah. Because I've never. I've they I've have, used it at a touch. I've never pushed it. Plugins, but that that's no. not the one I use. Not a pusher. IK for. No. 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 Not at all. But I like it in normal settings. Yeah. So like it's I mean, for conservative for a DB, it's almost okay. Almost all limiters are good yeah, in normal no, you're setting. Right. Yeah, that's no, the thing sure. is like for sure. you're splitting hairs at a certain point. No, you're right. You're yeah. right. But long story short, hated yeah. the mix. Right. So then. I did a second mix just through my TC electronic finalizer, which is like an all-in-one digital strip. I was like, all right, analog didn't work. Maybe this kind of out-of-the-box hybrid digital machine will work out well. And that actually did a pretty good job because it has a multi-band compressor. It has mid-side matrixes. It has a final limiter on the end. That's a brick wall, a nice sounding limiter. And I feel like that did a good job too, but I think I went a little too crazy on the multi-band compression and I changed the, the mix a lot. And I knew at that point he wasn't going to like it, but I was like, I'm going to submit it anyways because I thought the multiband added like a really cool movement to the track, but it really did change the contour of the production. Well, it's funny because like if you know that you're not going to be able to match the reference track just because of production differences, yeah. like why not what do try you do? something? Like yeah. you're just going to yeah. be shooting at, in the dark, right. just hoping that right. they catch try that, you try like, that, try like that. Throwing out a bunch of, yeah. it's, it's a horrible way to do it. Horrible. You know, just because if, yeah. And, um, it's well, what do you tell them at that point? Like, did you ever tell them like, you're not going to get the same results? Or oh yeah. Just, 
Oh, yeah. But I didn't get detailed about it. I literally just said, hey, if you like. Oh, right. They did kind of get mad at you about the low end stuff. Right. Oh, right. yeah. You did tell them about the low end. You're like, it's just different. <laughs> and they didn't want to hear it. Yeah. And I, I don't think they didn't want to hear it. I think they just didn't understand. Well, you know how long they spent on the track, right? Oh, yeah. That's, it's a good, like for what it is, it's yeah. a good, it's not a good track to try to get that loud. No. And no. sound like the other track. You no. can get it loud. No. Well, the other track is made to be different. loud. This track well, was like, it's, it's a good it's a song the other well, track's like a banger you know you could, could, you could say that they're both made to be loud because nothing's really made to be loud like yeah. you can have it in mind yeah, but you true. can they didn't make it a, where your ear curves are going to enjoy the loudness right. as much as the other right. track right because we both got it super loud oh yeah it's just compared right both yeah. tracks have yeah. a totally different ear like if i say ear curve like the way the frequency response right. is to your ear i'm right. just being stupid about yeah, it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, what's your ear curve <laughs> um uh i like to simplify I like things that. too that's, uh, that's simple i like dumb. it uh, right. hey um, that's that that's not dumb um, that's innovation like, i know i know innovation. the official technical terms of these things right? i just don't like it's not them. ear curve yeah uh, it is now um, <laughs> that's what i'm saying fletcher munson munson's ear curve <laughs> um but uh yeah, so it's just like they didn't do it to where you could do it in a super pleasing way. No. And no matter how much low end you boosted, it just wasn't distorted. It wasn't enough harmonic content right. to do it, right? Right, exactly. That's well said. Yeah. So it was it was disappointing because at this point, I knew they weren't going to like anything I did. So I was like, you know what? Out of good faith, I'm going to do a couple more versions just because I'm now having fun with this because I know somebody else is going to come down the line. They're going to ask me to smash mm -hmm. it. Even though I clearly stated before I ever took any money, I don't crush mixes. It's not what I do. If you want that, go to somebody else. No, no, bro. We don't want to crush it. We want to go with you. I'm like, okay. And in the last email I said, when he asked for a refund, essentially, I said, hey, man, sorry, we can't provide that for you. I was very upfront with what we could do. You weren't happy. I was like, if you give me specific direction of what you want, I, I'm sure we can accommodate you. But there was no direction, no notes, no nothing. So I'm now playing around with it. And after hearing Dom's, I'm like, okay, Dom did something really cool here. Like he got it loud and really, really clean. All my gear is adding like a piece of harmonics here, a piece of distortion yeah. there. And mine was, it was too dirty. And I'm like, okay, maybe for stuff like this, for smashing it, maybe it has to be done in the box. Maybe this is at one area well, where plug-in shatter hardware. But the thing is, is like true like finalizing of it but i'm getting 10 to 12 db of gain reduction with a hardware piece right my neve you right. know you can't just no that. no no for sure you know and that's just super clean though it's yeah. just that's i've showed you it's just like you yeah. can push that no it's a great box artifacts. oh yeah it's a great box and so but the thing is is like almost 80% like also gain I was probably not wasn't gain reducing that much but like eight, at least 8 dB which is still insane that's insane yeah yeah for but a then master. after that yeah. then it's still all my limiting and clipping was done in the box right right you know no fancy hard no fancy hardware like yeah. we've been talking about converters this last couple of weeks yeah. like last week and just kind of musing over them but yeah none of that was used none of like the pushing into a super expensive converter right you know right which i wish i could hear oh that'd that would be help. awesome i mean yeah. i just want to know the difference no that'd be know? cool That'd because i cool. would love to just if i could hear like a lavery gold converter pushed oh yeah and then next to a kazrog like the kazrog k-clip that yeah. i used which i'm gonna plug and we don't get anything from them but they're super cheap they're oh, yeah. plugging super cheap yeah. and if you want to get stuff loud oh yeah it it's will like, do it's an like extra db bucks. on like yeah. almost anything and still make it sound decent yeah no well, i love that plugin it's a great plugin yeah but no i agree like yeah i, I was curious about the converter thing too but like you know we've got to work with what we got yeah. so it's like you did yeah like you probably did have a lot of harmonic stuff building up oh, and yeah. plus like you you're almost all of your EQs are mastering grade like all of them are yeah 
you yeah. know, but the thing is, is all the compressors you were using right. weren't. No. You know, and you're, I don't know, especially when you're trying to get them that loud, you're probably pushing them pretty, and your gain staging gets oh, all Oh, yeah, weird. and the headroom you sucks. Yeah, no, for sure. Just, yeah. Everything gets pushed a little bit more than I'd want it. Or not, in a mixing situation, it would sound great. Oh, you know, totally but, great. No, for yeah. sure. That was a big deal. Yeah. So, like, what what I was lucky enough to get yeah. it was uh, I got a Pendulum PL2 peak limiter. And I, I when I got this in, I'm like, this is going to be a deal breaker. I was like, I just have a feeling that using this piece of hardware is going to give me exactly what I need. It's super clean and it's going to get me there. So the next couple rounds of Masters I did featured the Pendulum. And I was having trouble like printing the tracks back in because like I could now hear the physical distortion to where I was clipping my converters on my inputs going back into the DAW and it just sounded awful. So I'd have to regain stage the whole project and then all the compressor settings were off because I had to go back to like the step one with the semi mixer and the first compressor and drop all that down and then all my thresholds were different. It was like a total, total nightmare. <laughs> Not fun process. And I couldn't get it sounding good, like no matter what I did. So then I started working in the box. I used a bunch of isotope stuff. I used some Boz Lab stuff. I used Sonics. I mean, everything I could think of that could give me a clean transparent sound that I thought was really nice. And it just, you know, the in the box, I will say it was cleaner. You know, it was a lot, a lot cleaner, but it just, it didn't deliver that punch and that weight that I thought the track could have benefited from. And so all I did was today, Dom's here, obviously he's talking to you guys right now with the podcast. And we decided to do one together in the same room instead of like split apart. We each took about 45 minutes in the studio alone, work out different workflows, kind of see what gear we wanted to use and what. And I uh, messed with the gear and didn't work on the master at all. You did. Just you did. You, you gave up after about 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm like, done with this. <laughs> I just, cause yeah, I got out of my environment and then I was totally fine. Just, uh, yeah, if, I would if the Elysia worked better for me than it did. I would have totally just kept going with it. But I liked working on you started it well because you know you know he had a good workflow and you know yeah. your gear better than I do. That's the thing. Like knowing your gear is so important. Oh, so important. Like, even though so like, important, you might just be put into a studio like a forty four hundred thousand dollars studio with all the gear you could ever want. Right. But if you have not sat down and actually used like right. a distressor is so complicated. Right. With all the tonal options you can get, it's hard right. to make it sound bad, but it's also kind of hard to make it sound perfect for right. the situation. Yeah. that you're using no, totally you know by it's if you're a solo warrior i call them solo warriors where they have everything soloed while they're compressing and eqing mm -hmm. like you can make a distressor sound good with almost any setting right because it'll just either add weight or it'll add a lot of punch for you or mm -hmm. do something mm -hmm. but if you don't know what it sounds like in an actual mixing environment yeah. while it's unsoloed right with everything else playing right, right. then you're not going to know what sounds good in each specific thing right. without taking a long time and you're not going to be uh you're not going to be productive absolutely and no, so uh, that's what i found like that's that rant was for, because this is what I was feeling when I was in your studio. Like mm. you had all this new gear yeah, and I haven't been able to sit down with it. So that's, that was me sitting down with right. it and starting to get it, know it better. Cause I wasn't going to be able to do any quality yeah. work yeah, yeah. with like having that for the first time, oh, totally. you know, totally understandable. not used to its gain staging and all that and like where it hits best and all right. that. And just, there's a lot of factors. Fun. No, so, for sure. Yeah. But, well, what it was cool. Yeah. Cause like Dom was then messing around with some gear and yeah. we, we shot out some different options. Like C brought over his shadow Hills dual van which is a really cool compressor so we put that in we put on the chandlers we did some different things so like my like this is the question i have for you now is you got to hear the pendulum finally like yeah. what what are your thoughts of the pendulum <laughs> when it's not 
it's just amazing. It's amazing if you're not trying to push it right. so hard. It's just in yeah, everything sounds like that thing is super, super nice when not super, mm-hmm. super pushed. Like mm-hmm. every other master you do where it's normal, you're gonna love it. Right. You know, it's but so what yeah. what do you feel now that you've heard like because you have a limiter obviously underneath and it's yeah. a really great that's an amazing box but now you've heard another limiter like what are your thoughts now on on in the box limiters versus like out the box limiters I still had like even though I limited a bit with mine I still needed the in the box limiter and they just they have more control well the thing is is like my one out of the box limiter my knee like my actual as closest to brick wall limiter as you can get. Um, still gets outperformed by, um, well, it's still kind of expensive plugin, but the FabFilter Pro L, which is usually my go-to because it just has so many options and has four different modes, which are all great for different situations. And uh, just a a hint, um, I'll give my favorite preset for getting stuff loud that I found is that there's actually an EDM preset called EDM transparent and loud. And I stick it on that. Um, and then I changed the mode from transparent to punchy. And mm. I found that that is for this track, especially was my favorite preset. That was worked out really for, well. Yeah, yeah. For, um, this specific case. And if it doesn't work in the future, then I won't use that preset. Right. But, um, I just, the attack and release times are almost perfect to where it just doesn't squash the track too much. But then also just leaves a little bit of uh, right. you know punch in there too. Right. But, um, but yeah, that's I needed both. Like to get it this loud, right. I just absolutely needed both. Usually mm-hmm. I'd rely, I'll, maybe I'd rely on all of them the same. I'd use the same plugins, just basically take the gain down on all of them. Right. You know, from my other mastering jobs. Mm. You know, because it depends if it's an EDM track or not. Like I'd probably take the K clip out if it wasn't an EDM track. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Just because I don't need that K clip will get a little bit harsher. It but will. I just try everything. It takes me a second, yeah. you know, because I know I know the the Pro L very well now. Yeah. And the K clip very well because yeah. it's just been my go tos for a while. So it takes me a second to try out what I usually do, and yeah. if I don't like it, yeah. Um, would you? And that's another thing I was thinking of is like, would you consider this to be super important? Um, with your setup, because we, you know, you get attached to your setups. Like, yeah, oh, I don't yeah. think, I definitely don't have the nicest gear in the world. There's so many pieces I would be better yeah. in the long run if yeah. I got to know them. Right. But would you say it's important to uh, know when things sound bad for your own setup? Oh, yeah. Well, obviously, that's so, kind of like a rhetorical uh, question. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, that's something that I found out a lot during this process is like, I, I have a pretty nice setup, very, you do. Fort- very yeah, fortunate, you do. Yeah. but it's, like getting towards the upper escalon of like nice stuff, but yep. there's always nicer things. Like, of I, course, I, you find out that you like you get few grand dollar converters, yeah. and then you find out that there's like several grand dollar right. converters for two channels, right? And I didn't even know about it, right? Right? And you're like, when does this stop? Right? You're like, when I thought I was bro. done dreaming about gear, <laughs> <It doesn't. laughs> the dreams that ever end, no. Oh, but then, uh, so each system, even if you're on an M box at home, yeah, all in the box, yeah. you just need to find out, like, you need to get to know what sounds musical and what doesn't, right. Like right. what to someone's ear is going to sound harsh and what doesn't. And even, and if you find your limits, then you know how much you can push them, no mm. matter if you're in the box, out of the box. And I found you really get to know the limits of your gear and stuff when you start pushing it. Cause usually yeah. you don't need to, but no, same goes for plugins. Like I think that Dom brings up a really good point here in that it's, you know, if you have six or eight compressors right now at your disposal, let's say maybe three or four stock plugins, uh, maybe one piece of hardware, like a pro VLA too. Okay. 
all those are going to respond totally differently. So for me, like Dom made up a point that I think is important and I want to parlay that with something yeah. else. He said like, use what's best for the listener essentially so it appeals to their ears. That's phase one. If people don't listen to the track, what are you making music for? People want to listen to it, but well, two... Hey, some, yeah, if you're listening, making it for yourself, then whatever. That's my second you know, point, that's, is that you know, yeah. if it's for you, it's like you have to ask yourself like, what is the compressor doing? Is it is it grinding in a way you like? Is it too loose? Is it too tight? Is it too clean? Is it is it heavy? Is it distorted? Is it is it thin? Is it ambient? You know, it's like there's so many words you can use to describe. And I think when I get new gear and when I get new plugins, because I'm always willing to try new things, I really think first off, is this part of my sound? Is this something that can enhance yeah. my artistic vision? And that's phase one. Phase two is, can this be used over multiple genres to enhance other people's visions too? So like the pendulum, for instance, is the newest piece I have in. And I feel as a peak limiter, because like the FabFilter Pro L can't speak enough about that. It's an amazing plugin, attack and release, so many parameters, different tonal options, oversampling. I was just going to say that. Yeah, everything, everything. And it sounds great. Would I, though, just want to use that now that I have a hardware limiter? No. But using them together is great. Using it, it's, it's the magic potion. Yeah. It, you pair a hardware limiter with a software limiter. I mean, what you're able to do in the analog domain makes you, you, you can go into the fab filter so much smoother and more transparently with more gain out of the analog. So the limiter and the software isn't working nearly as hard and it gives you such a, a really clean result. Yeah, I mean... That's something that I think both of us have been getting into more is splitting yeah. splitting duties. Right, right, of, duties. Yeah, like yeah. splitting compression duties between two different pieces. Right, cascading as they yeah. call it. Yeah, and uh, especially limiting now. And it can sound bad, you it know, can. if you're doing too much with both. Well, anything can sound yeah. bad if you it's overdo like it. You can't, for instance, you can't take eight dBs out of with the analog limiter no. and then expect to take eight dBs out again. Right. You have to kind of like balance, you yeah. know. And so let's say that with our practices of what we're, you were talking about, like yeah. we might have been able to get an extra dB, you know, or right. a dB and a half right. cleanly, right. which which what, with what we were doing was huge. Mm-hmm. You know, like just huge. like we're not getting huge gains here. We're no. talking about instead of a negative six master. Right. I use three different things. I use two limiter, a compressor going like crazy, yeah. a limiter, another limiter, yeah. and then a clipper. That's a that's a ton. Yeah, a ton. No mix should ever go no. through that. <laughs> no, let alone a master. Yeah, like, no, that's what I mean. Yeah. Oh, like, okay. No yeah, two yeah. chat. Yeah, yeah. Two, yeah. yeah. No, it's insane. But no, yeah. it is. I think that you know the the final. The final, I guess, analysis that I learned from this really cool experiment is that, you know, I believe that you can achieve a loud master with hardware. You just have to have some good mastering grade gear. Like today's master that Dom and I did, um, I use a lot of clean gear. I, didn't, I, I skipped the tonal stuff, got rid of the API 525s. I went with an Elysia compressor, Elysia, however, however you want to pronounce it. Elysia. Elysia. Uh, I went with that compressor, Crane Song Trackers, another extremely, extremely clean, transparent compressor. Um, I think the only thing tonal I had on the mix was probably the API 5500 as an EQ. That's not even tonal, though. It's not, you but like, it's funny it is because it has transformers technically, well, so there's tone. It's funny with a, like some pieces of gear, you almost expect to be tonal. Right. Like I didn't hear, I felt like that thing was just had nice curves. It just Great curves. Yeah. Yeah. Great <laughs> it just, curves. It just sounded great. Like I didn't, there's a feel you get from using the 2500, you know, that's yeah. like 
just has kind of that API sound. It def, you know, in the 5500, I guess if you pushed it harder into it, yeah, it would maybe sound a grungier, but I didn't really hear anything with no, it, you know. It was very but pleasing, it's, very musical. It's just I think it just might have a lot of headroom because of the way it is, I think so you know? too. I know um, for a fact that because I now have the MOG courtesy of Cliff, um, I shot that against my 500 series units. And the only difference is the headroom. You know, the, the 500 series units are faster to break up and distort because there's there's not yeah. a big variance. But if you, you know, input gain them differently and gain stage them, you can get them to sound clean. But as soon as I punch in the MOGs, I'm like, oh, man, the headroom is is so huge with gear, even with plugins. Like if you don't have any headroom going in your plugins, you're going to distort them. And that's going to really change the contour of a mix. And you know what's funny? about headroom is that it's uh it's almost like you're able to make more errors and get away with it like that's how i think about it because well said. because yeah. if you gain stage properly you should right. never have that problem no, we're not never. making an excuse for like no but it's fun to not worry about gain staging too much right and it's like if you have to keep attenuating after you do things mm -hmm. or like have all these gain knobs everywhere mm -hmm. trying to get and then if you're only working in the analog domain like you were at first yeah then you have to make your all you know not everything has an output the way you'd want right. and it might not go down it might only go up you right. know because you're usually trying to boost after compression right and so there's all these little things that with mastering gear you really don't have to worry about that as much because the rails are so i like they handle more voltage yeah. you know that's like yeah. how you have bigger transformers and right it's just when you have more headroom you don't have to worry about it as much and so things just stay cleaner because mm. you just especially when you have a bunch of like three compressors in a row or whatever you mm -hmm. know you're everything's it's gonna, you know, if you just don't do the output gain, but you're trying to AB things at the same time, and so you'd have to put it down. It's just kind of yeah. a nightmare. That's why yeah. mixing stuff's kind of a nightmare to use for mastering sometimes. Mm -hmm. if you're no, you're right. a lot of stuff. No, absolutely right. So yeah. you can just make more errors, basically, as you right. can get away with more with mastering gear, and then right. also they're designed for to be more subtle and they you are. Know, so, yeah. but that's that's my thought on why you would want more headroom, you know, because. Yeah. Obviously, but then if it takes longer to break up, then you're not going to get the cool sound of the transformers right. in a mixing situation, which right. sometimes you like. Right. Like with this, like the Neve has so much gain. I actually heard it break up for the first time. Well, though. yours is transformer ins and outs too. So you've got heavy like tone, even though it's really clean, you do have no, tone but injected it doesn't, into it actually yours. doesn't. Yeah, but it's weird because like I push it a lot. It, when it breaks up, it breaks up. Yeah. Like, you don't hear it until it breaks up. Right. It's crazy. It's like stays super clean until hmm. it, of course it does something to it, but it's yeah. super subtle to a point where like I don't even try to listen for it just yeah. because I'm just listening to what the compressor does. Right. That makes sense. Because I'm not trying to like if it imparts a tone, I've never heard it enough to where I cared. Yeah. You know, it's just so clean as wide open transformers. That's a that's common a great way. Box. Of, yeah. Yeah. That's a great but, box. No, um, it, was, it was a fun experiment. Yeah. Overall, like I enjoyed it. Like I wouldn't want to make a habit of like, you know, I'm almost glad they don't like, like this it. This is my shit. Dude, Come to my studio oh my God. and I'll slam it. Oh my God. I would, I'd kill myself, honestly, if I had to do this Kill your day, ears. I would kill my ears. No, it's it's it fatigues you so fast that- Even at low like, volumes. Oh, at any volume. It doesn't matter because there's so much saturation. Well, this mix too, like I was oh, saying yeah. with the emphasis at the mid range. Yeah. That was because the other track- you know, this the reference track was different emphasis. Way so different. You could listen Polar to it opposite. way better. It just Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny. These are the things you it's just it's, it's crazy. Gotta sigh afterwards and be like, Oh, that's <laughs> it all was dude, what it that's, was. That's all I could do. You know, it's funny because when you go to the reference, it was funny because you had the realization constantly like, I can't get anywhere near this. Like all no. I could do is hope to get it as loud. It's not me. That's it. It's like it's like I wish it was me because I that wish. would mean I could get better. And exactly, do it. exactly. Know, like, I would rather learn from yeah. it, and learn my mistakes, and, and then, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Because then it would be like a yeah, it just wasn't gonna happen. No, it wasn't gonna happen. But I will say, 
this was a great experiment because I learned a lot about the digital. And dude, I tried the dangerous audio back CQ. You try stuff. That's huge. Oh my God. I tried plugins that I, I generally I that haven't used first. in a while. Did I had, you? At my very first one I did, I put the back right? CQ on. Right. It sounded good. Yeah. You know, I probably would have kept it on if totally. I didn't have to crush it. Totally. That's, that's <laughs> the problem is as soon as you crush it, you realize that it's like every, everything goes out the window. So it was funny because what I started doing then is like right when I got the pendulum, I thought this was like a cool test that you guys maybe want to try for yourselves too is I cranked the pendulum as loud as it could go. So I turned up the output gain, I blasted the output gain, smashed the input gain, and I was getting about six to seven decibels of gain reduction on the limiter. All right, that's how I would have had the final chain done, okay? So I was like, and I listened to that for like five minutes, and I tried to adjust and be objective and be like, okay, I'm going to stop saying in my head I don't like the way this sounds because I already know I don't like the way it sounds. I'm going to try to appreciate it for what it is and ask myself, okay, now how do I take this off, go back and insert these EQs and compressors and make it sound like that? And that was like a real test. Like it was like it was like distorting the hell out of it first and then working backwards from like a really clean mix and saying, okay, how do I get back there but make it better? Mm -hmm. And there was just no way to do that. Yeah, that's what I kept saying to myself too. I was like, every time I was like, I was... um critiquing my own mix i was like i would say in my head for what it is right you know because right, right. if i was being honest i was like this is garbage yeah, yeah for sure for sure just it's just toilet it's just <laughs> but no, it's for just, what it is right exactly exactly it's just it's just too bad because i feel like this genre and dom said this really well we were talking on this before we got started and he's he made this really astute comment and he said like it's just the sound bro it's an effect you know it's what it is right now and like he made the comparison to reverb on drums in the 80s i thought that was a great comparison like in general how they liked a lot of high frequencies in the reverb totally like if if you weren't phil collins in the air tonight in the 80s your record was not doing well because it just had that sound and that became the sound of the 80s snare reverb you know same thing no one does that anymore unless it's an effect no exactly they're like oh you're sounding like you're from the 80s so i i swear that in the future we're going to look back at this time period yeah because either we're going to stop making loud masters or there's going to be a format to where we can have as loud of formats but then it's just cleaner like we can do negative five but then it's going to relate to something even larger with more headroom right so like our audio files are going to get louder but then everything else can handle it better right you know i just you know it's funny because like one we're dating ourselves which you made a good point which sucks but it is what it is but two it's like think about it like the loudness wars technically from like a, a literal standpoint are over they ended the day that youtube spotify mm-hmm. itunes pandora all implemented standards so it's like if you look on a meter like the new gen audio master check or the um meter plugs perception you can flip the switch and see okay youtube's at negative 12 luffs spotify's at negative 11 luffs yeah. itunes is at negative nine luffs so you can see literally this is the company who's hosting your music. We're going to sell this music and say, listen, guys, I don't care if you submit it to us like negative two lefts, it's going to be negative nine. And it's like, what I don't understand is like, this is in place. This is real. This is the new regime. This is the new system. And people are like, nah, dude, make it louder. It's like, but, but why? Why do you want this louder? Like, you do understand that when you bring it to this platform, they're going to lower it for you. 
And if you they lower it for you and you have distortion, now people are hearing a quieter version of your song more distorted. Like, why wouldn't you just want to compromise the upfront initial impact of you hearing it in your car that one day you get it from the mastering engineer and realize this music is going to be listened to potentially for decades. Why would you not want to have it set up to be optimal for all the platforms that people are going to hear it on? I just don't get yeah. it. I mean, yeah, it's an effect. People just want to do follow their idols. And I think I already talked about like how many views that reference yeah. track had, right? So that's million. why. Yeah. Yeah. You follow the yeah, people you, know, you're you look right. up that's to. That's a good point. That's a good and point. you can't, you know, that if, if you in the end can't give someone what they want, then they can try to find someone else. Yeah. But then, you know, either you're wrong and someone else finds is able to make it how they want right. somehow. Right. Like to right. us. To get it exactly how they would have wanted, where that's like, I don't, I just I don't know how. Don't, I don't know how. Have, yeah, but without them going back into their mix yeah. and their production. There's, I don't think there's any way. No, but that's the thing is like, either we're somehow wrong, like in this case. Which I, is possible. Yeah, but like to where they could somehow get it to where they're happy, you know, they just don't know how to articulate it. No. As much as we'd want them to. Like, that's the thing though, is you can't expect clients to articulate well, as much not. as you'd want because no. you're not going to be like oh you know i think this needs 300 hertz but we just we don't have the gear to do it right you know right it's like they're, it's never like that no. it's just well that's why they're paying you because yeah, you have no, more exactly. knowledge than they do yeah. and more experience but then sometimes you just like wish that wasn't the case in certain oh, situations man, like this great. to where it's like well i don't even want to go as far as saying you need to be that meticulous i just want people to like understand like Dom and I take time to educate people. Like I send graphs, I send files, I say, listen to this, pay attention to that. I educate people so they at least have the knowledge now in front of them. So now it's it's blind ignorance at that point, or it's just ego to where they say, I don't care what you're sending me. I want it this way. And if you want it that way, that's absolutely fine. I'm not into it, but it's like, I would pay. Like I would give all the money back right now if they mastered this through somebody else, if they sent it to whoever okay whatever ma major masters yeah. do and they got it back to me and said i wanted it like this and they sent me the file and i'm like okay boom Damn. instant refund here you go like yeah. i would totally do that i would, I would give be them double the money if that's right? the case if it was like had the same exact feeling somehow exactly like it wouldn't happen no it wouldn't that's no. the thing is like it's it's you're trying to it's reach funny, an impossible intangible goal like it's a tiny thing that keeps it from happening too right it's like everything matters when you're pushing a track that everything, 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 everything. But people, um, like you made a good point we were talking earlier. You were saying how the kick in the reference track was really limited. And you said, why didn't they just make the kick louder in the mix? And I said, like, it's because they didn't ask that question. You know, yeah. and that's the thing is people don't really know when they listen to a final master how they got there. So they figured I have a kick in the track. He has a kick in the track. Yeah. Make my shit sound yeah, like that. Why would they think that the kicks are different? Like to us, it's night and day. Like right. it's like this kick is no click. You know, it's all just distorted low mid right. punch. It's right. weird. It's a weird, cool thing that yeah. honestly, when I would have to spend a lot of time. Oh to yeah. It. Whoever the producer of that was, that's it's, yeah. it's really like cool. He knew what he was doing yeah. to get a loud ass kick. Yeah. But um, like I would, even knowing the differences, I would still have to spend a lot of time. So them just producing, spending all this time getting the vocals right to them, mm -hmm. all these separate mm -hmm. things. The last thing they're thinking about is our kick you know, they have one in there. That's good enough for them. Right. They don't see how it's going to be different down the road when no. they haven't even mixed it yet. No. Versus getting it mastered. Mm -hmm. And then so, but the think about it, it's like, what, it, let's say that they were referencing the whole time, mm -hmm. which I don't know if they were or not. Probably not. You know, they, they who, might who hear really some does, discrepancies, though, right? So they're thinking writing, of, you know? the, they're thinking of at first, all they're thinking of is arrangement, right? Right. Of course. 
Yeah, they're not thinking of our kick isn't the same as them. No. They don't even probably hear the difference in distortion oh, like we do. How, I like, guarantee they didn't even hear the difference in the samples. I'm sure yeah. they just pick one and be like, boom, we got a kick, it hits, done. Yeah, and then maybe it's like they couldn't even hear the low end enough in whatever system yeah, they were true. using too yep. because yep. whatever, you know, the low mids might not even come across, but yeah. The only thing that gets me is that they should have heard the, the actual pokiness. Like that's not as so much of a tech technical thing is like there's a definite feeling like a totally different feeling of the two samples. You there know, is. it's like it's like there this is. very like you know, like yeah. it's just theirs is just so pokey and anemic to where yeah. it's like stripping all the technical jargon, it's just totally different feel of the track. It's like anyone would feel that difference. Mm -hmm. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, why do you like this one better than that? I don't know, but it just feels like gooey, you know? Like, well, you know what I can, when I usually work with people and I didn't this time is I always ask what kind of monitors they're using mm -hmm. if they're using on headphones. And he was really adamant. He's like, this needs to sound good on earbuds. And my intuition told me when he said that is he's listening to a lot of music on earbuds and earbuds, you don't hear anything below like 400 Hertz. I mean, it's all gone. The, it depends. It depends. But generally yeah, speaking yeah. so it's like think about it is like even though he is probably not sensitive enough to hear that click whatever monitoring system he was using he really didn't even for a second correlate in his own brain my kick doesn't sound like that kick that was never a thought never once a thought he just thought this song's professional it's mastered I'm composing the mm. same genre as this artist. My song fits well in a DJ set with this artist. So make my kick sound like his. That's, I guarantee that yeah. was the thought process because that's a, pretty much exactly what he told me. Crazy. Crazy. Absolutely kick, nuts. Kick troubles. Kick troubles, man. It's just that's like that's life, It's bro. funny. It's like such first world problems. Right? Right? <sighs> it's just, if, if I could stress one thing for dom and myself and and just like even when when you get into like the mindset of separating the producer mentality from mixing and mastering it's like you know be really take your time selecting samples like the production is is key like you yeah. have to really be diligent like shoot out 10 kicks you know abm solo them anything you're trying to copy someone Ex or exactly else, be okay with your choices yes. and understand that it's not going to be the no. same your and song let, is can fit in the genre but it can't be mixed or mastered to feel the yeah, same yeah and let exactly and let a professional do what they can do for the best for the track right and if you honestly think that someone else out there could do a better job yeah and make it the way you want it that's totally fine yeah. everyone's different that's yeah. why there's that's why there's freaking fifty thousand, you know mixing engineers right. in this world or whatever right. no idea the actual number it's there's a lot high. like yeah. people it's who would high. say that they can mix the song yeah me being one of them right. you being one of them right all have different tastes, all. every single one of them. So finding one that aligns with you, like it could easily be that Chris just isn't the right guy. That's for very this, possible. You know? Yeah. Like that's totally fine. He's yeah. always going to have other people not totally. wanting that. Totally. He had two perfect clients before this. Yeah. One off things, you know, do it one time. They loved it. Done. Done. Yeah. You know, then you're always going to get someone that just doesn't totally. align with the totally. how you, you know, so well, I just, think doesn't matter. You just have no. to keep a high head and be like, these people just... Oh yeah. yeah. Like the thing is I'm not bummed like in the yeah. least bit. Like I said, I, I had a good time with this. We had a good time with this, but I think what it is, is even that number, let's say it is roughly 50,000. I think you have to multiply that times 10 now because every single person that buys a laptop in Ableton and a couple sample packs, they consider themselves a mixing engineer. And I'm not saying you're not by all means I, you are with, without a doubt you are, but there's a difference between 
somebody who's just grappling with EQ and compression for the first time than somebody that can hear a 50 second, 50 millisecond release versus a 20 millisecond release. That's a whole different level of understanding compression. And I'm not saying that one is better than the other. I'm simply saying that it's like, if you want to label yourself as a quote unquote mixing engineer, I would hope that when you work with somebody, a collaborator, a producer, a friend of the engineer, that you would at least be able to articulate what it is that you want. Because if you can't do that, it tells me that you don't know. And if you don't know, I have to guess. And most yeah. often, I'm not going to guess properly. It's just not going to happen. Well, it's funny about that too, calling yourself a mixing engineer or mastering engineer is... Like both of us, you know, you start out and you start calling yourself it because yeah. you need to start believing it. Totally, and which is great. To, yeah, it's like, because yeah. there's no defining line when you start calling no. yourself it. No. Just your quality. You're going to have to start being honest with your quality. But what's funny is that I honestly considered myself more of a mixing engineer like before I actually was with clients right. than I do now just because of like how, con like I'm pretty confident, but it's like the more you know, almost the less, con you know how much there is to learn and you start right. hearing things in professional right. mixes more and you see how like you hear the gaps more. Right. Because when you're starting out, you don't hear the gaps nearly as much. Ignorance is bliss yeah, in the it's, beginning. It's complete, like, oh, these settings yeah. sound so good. And so like, even though I've made a lot of people happy yeah. and I've honestly sometimes wondered why they were happy. Right. Like right. with my yeah. client right oh, now, like sure. I, I mean, granted with like my current client's production, I like he hears the before and after. Yeah. I hear like the overall arcing sound of the song, like compared to every other song ever made. Right. You know, because I've listened to a lot of music. Yeah. And I wouldn't be if I was doing that, I wouldn't be happy. But he's fortunately chill and knows like how much I'm doing to his tracks to cool. make them sound the way they are. Cool. With him knowing what he put in production with not the good good enough gear. So he's not ignorant. But let he, me ask you real fast, because this is huge. So I want yeah. you to keep going. Yeah. You're sitting with him side by side, aren't you? Oh yeah. See? Huge. Oh yeah. So Huge. I'm fortunate enough yeah. to know That's that. That's such too. a deal breaker. Yeah. yeah. No, and he's super chill. We vibe we have the same favorite album of all time, you know, a lot of different things. But um yeah, so he just knows and but I tell him like all the time because it's hard when you're sitting side by side and you know this more oh, yeah. than I do, is that oh, yeah. people aren't honest with you as much as they want to be because no. they don't want to ruin a relationship. Right. And I, this is the first time I've been able to sit side by side with someone. Mm -hmm. I tell them all the time, like, dude, I'm not going to get hurt feelings. Just tell me yep. what you want. Yep. And I was like, I, I tell them all the time, like, I will just redo a song for you. Cause it does. Their songs are pretty simple. Won't yep. take me very long. It yep. takes me like one day. To, right? right. Um, but I will redo the whole feel of the song if you need it. And just like, just reaffirming because I don't want that time when he's like, dude, I just, I need something different when we're farther in the mix. We're right. getting to master, right. you know? Right. It's like, it's fine to redo stuff if you have to, but doing it late in a project mm -hmm. sucks. Mm -hmm. And I have, I mean, I haven't had to do that yet, but if I know it would suck just knowing how much time I put in. Oh, you remember yeah. that one artist that yeah. I worked with about a year ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That was enough for both of us it's, to be like, I never want to go yeah, through this again. It's so funny because it's such a roller coaster ride, right? right? Like right. it's so many good relationships and um, once in a while you get the bad egg right. where it's not necessarily that either person's bad. It's just at the time with each person's life and what they align with musically just completely different. Yep. And it just comes from trying. I mean, yeah. if you're like, if you're listening to this and you're not in the industry, if you're just making music and you're looking to get some mix or master, you just got to start trying people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like you can listen to even if someone has gorgeous sounding song um, samples, yeah. you know, they might just not be the right person for you.